Do you have an idea for a podcast, but you don't know where to start? Maybe you're overwhelmed by all the tech or you're convinced nobody will actually listen to you. Well, I'm Shauna Game. After nine and a half years as a professional podcaster, at this show, everyone's talking money. And 25 million downloads later, let me tell you the secret to a profitable podcast. It is building a solid foundation, your podcast roadmap before you launch. That's why I created the Podcaster Class, a fast-paced group cohort podcasting for profit eight-week style NBA program. The Podcaster Class is immersive, comprehensive, and insanely motivational. If you want to create a podcast, DIYing a launch is just not the way to go. In the Podcaster Class, you'll get the tools, tips, and strategies to create a podcast that resonates with listeners and one you can be proud of. Get this. 90% of podcasters never make it to episode three. That's 2.8 million podcasters who just quit. So to be a top podcaster, you only need to publish 21 episodes, but you got to make them good. So in the podcaster class, I'm taking the mystery out of how to create, launch, and profit from your podcast so you can create a top 1% podcast just like this one. The May cohort is now open for enrollment. Classes start May 22nd. There are only 15 spots open. You are going to learn podcasting with me and 14 other amazing people. You can learn all the details at thepodcasterclass.com. Use code podcast when you sign up for $100 off. That's thepodcasterclass.com. When it comes to financial advice, you got to trust the source. It's why you listen to this podcast. When I'm looking to upgrade my wallet, I turn to NerdWallet. Their expert team of nerds dives into the details to help you find smarter financial products. Before NerdWallet, I was paying for vacations all wrong. (laughs) I was missing out on miles. I didn't even know I was leaving on the table. Now I've got a new card with more miles and more upgrades. What could future you do with more travel rewards? I don't know, maybe that fancy hotel upgrade that you have always been dreaming about. Wherever you go next, make it happen with a smarter travel credit card. Don't wait to make smart financial decisions. Compare and find smarter credit cards, savings accounts, and more today at nerdwallet.com. NerdWallet. Finance smarter. As with all cards, credit is subject to lender approval and terms apply. Will your student loans be forgiven? I don't know, but there's a lot of chatter in Washington right now about student loans. And in today's episode, we're going to talk to Rob Bertman from Student Loan Planner about the recent forgiveness proposals and really what they mean to your student loan debt. You're listening to Millennial Money with award-winning money expert and serial entrepreneur, Shauna Come to Game, where we flip the script on the old school approach to everything your parents never taught you about money. Each week, Shauna creates a safe space by talking with special guests from around the world about money wellness, entrepreneurship, traveling like a boss, and what makes millennials tick. Unique stories, trailblazing perspectives, tips, tricks, and everything there is to know about money. Find it all here as you uncover your money story and unlock the life you want to live. Pretty cool, right? Here's Shauna, money expert, Indiana Hoosier, and burger aficionado. How do you feel about student loan debt? How do you feel about it? Like it or not, honestly, the cost to attend college here in the United States is steep and it's only getting steeper. But do you really care about the current cost of college, right? You only care about what it costs you to go to college and that lingering debt that is chasing you around every single day. And debt is scary. And student loan debt is very real. 
And as I mentioned, there is a lot of talk going on in Washington right now over student loans and how much might potentially be wiped away in forgiveness proposals. But more than that, you need to know what to do with your student loans right now. Should you refinance it? Should you pay it off? Or should you just wait to see what happens with the current proposals? Rob Bertman, Senior Consultant at Student Loan Planner and also a CFA and CFP, is going to give you the lowdown on what you need to know about student loan forgiveness in the next 30 minutes. So let's roll up our sleeves and get down to business. Before we dive into student loan forgiveness and and changes that are happening, I want to just lay the landscape a bit and talk about maybe some of the current stats around student loans. Obviously, a lot of listeners of this show have student loans or had student loans or know somebody who has student loans. I mean, this is definitely a a millennial issue, if you will. How many people have student loans? Like, what's the average amount of debt? Are there any interesting tidbits that you can you can share with us? Yeah. Um, so right now, I mean, there's currently about one point seven trillion dollars with a T of student loans out there, and that is just a ton of money. Um, it's it's 1.7 million million. Uh, sometimes we get lost with these big numbers, me especially, but the number is just massive and it affects 44 million borrowers. There's 44 million people there with student debt. You know, the majority of them do have below 50,000. Um, I think, you know, something like 60, 70% have below 50,000, might even be higher than that. Um, but this is really an issue that hits home with many families. If like you said, if, if, if someone doesn't have student loans and they know someone who does, and there's, because of the confusing student loan rules, you know, there's income driven repayment, you know, should I refinance? There's all the uncertainty around legislation right now, which is paralyzing people. Plus we're in the, the CARES Act forbearance and some loans are frozen and some loans aren't. Uh, it's a very confusing time for people. And I think even when we sort of rattle off the statistics and, and you're right, like to sit and think about what that number actually means, that trillion number, and then to think about $50,000, maybe, uh, you know, most people have under 50000 but even that, I mean, just coming out of school and and not really having that much income, or even if you have a good job with, with relatively good income, that's still like this really large number. And I would imagine you could probably tell me a little bit, a little bit more, but the number of people that have student loans, like that just continues to grow, right? Yeah. Every year there's new people that are graduating with student debt. I mean, just to give you another number, there's over 3 million borrowers with six figure student loans out there. Um, So, you know, not quite 10%, but almost 10% of people out there have have that amount of debt. And a lot of those people are graduate level professionals, you know, doctors, lawyers, dentists, um, chiropractors, veterinarians, pharmacists, you know, physical therapists. I mean, you name it, you know, physician assistants. Um, there's any number of, of, um, of professions or professionals that are plagued with six figure student debt. Yeah. I think a lot of people, uh, that listen to the show from other countries kind of look at us and say, what are you guys doing over there? <laughs> and I, I recently read an article uh, that really talked about the, the, the racial divide, the, the wealth gap really divide there with student loans. It talked about uh, black and African-American students. They graduate with an average of somewhere around like $25,000 more debt than compared to to white students, which of course is continuing to expand this wealth gap here here in the United States. And and 
realizing that neither you or me really have an answer for this necessarily, like how can we begin to change this? Right. Well, it's, it's definitely a problem. Um, student loan rules are confusing. How to apply for student loans or grants is also very con- confusing. And a lot of times, anecdotally, I've, I've talked with a lot of people of color in the job that I have and just friends of mine that have student debt. And many of them are first in their family. You know, they don't have anyone to talk to right. about it. They don't, they don't know, like there aren't, there might not be someone in their world that they surround themselves with that like has ever gone through the college application, the FAFSA process. And so what happens is they end up taking out maybe the wrong kind of loans or too much in loans or not having access to the, to the grants and scholarships that they might otherwise be um, eligible for if they just knew about it. And, and so um, the goal is to get the word out, especially to communities of color, letting them know their options for taking out debt when is a good time to do it? What types of debt to take out and what other, other opportunities that they can get so that, you know, to lighten that, that burden for them. Yeah. That's such, that's such a good point. And obviously we're, we're here to talk about president Biden and student loan forgiveness proposals. And I know that I have received probably since January 1st, 25 emails <laughs> uh, <laughs> asking to talk about this topic because there's a lot of confusion over, what might happen? What will happen? Do we know for sure? Do we not for sure? Know for sure? And of course, my response always back is, well, with any legislative efforts with the government, we just don't know. So you can't necessarily um, pin all your hopes on, on one certain thing. But how could these proposals that are kind of being tossed around, like how could they impact borrowers with the student loan debt that they have right now? It's a great question. So I'd say for most borrowers that are, um, well, okay, well, let's just talk about the proposals and then we can talk about, you know, sort of optimal ways yeah. to pay back student loans. But, you know, there were, there were ideas being thrown around for $50,000 across the board student loan cancellation. And Biden just recently said, no, we're not, I'm not doing that. And he wants $10,000 loan forgiveness. And we're not sure if it's going to be expand to everybody or if it's going to expand to, you know, um, like certain subsets of borrowers that that really could change their lives because they're not making the income. Maybe they didn't graduate from college and they have the debt, or maybe they are in um, you know communities of color, or they are come from you know other like a background where they don't have the money or what you know. So there might be yeah. some parameters around who gets that ten thousand dollar loan forgiveness. We're not quite sure, but what we do know is that a third of the borrowers, so of the forty four million, you know, call it fifteen million have $10,000 of student debt or less. So that type of plan could uh, immediately wipe away 15 million people's student debt. Wow. Um, and so so there's that. And then we also think that there could be another income-driven repayment plan that, that might come down the pike. Now, obviously, like right now, it's going on in February 2021. There's a lot of things going on in the world and student loans might be put on the back burner until we really get through covid we get through all the partisan division and if we ever get through that, but, um, <laughs> yeah, I don't know about that. <laughs> yeah. The aftermath of all that. Um, and you know, there's now he's putting forth immigration reform. So student loans, if they are going to come into the forefront, we think it's going to be at earliest, maybe in the summer or in the fall, like right before student loan repayments start back up, um, after September of this year, cause he extended the freeze mm-hmm. through there. Right. So I would say, you know, so what this is doing is this is, putting a lot of people frozen, you know, interest rates are very low. So they're like, should I refinance my loans? 
Um, but if I do, then maybe I won't be eligible for the $10,000 forgiveness. Um, what if he comes out with a better repayment plan that I, that will make loan repayment more affordable? So people are like really, really frozen right now. But what we do know is, you know, the, the more progressive side of the Democratic Party, they wanted the 50000 and even full loan forgiveness, not all of them, but some subset within the progressive party. And on the Republican side, obviously, they they don't really want any type of, you know, student loan forgiveness. So President Biden and and Vice President Harris and and the and Congress is really going to have to figure out, you know, how to tackle this because it does impact so many of their constituents, us voters, um, on a daily basis. So I would imagine that the that ten thousand dollar number that's being floated around that's a number that maybe they feel like there could be some sort of compromise between the two sides. Like maybe we might end up at. 10,000-ish, but 50,000 just felt like way too much of a, way too big of a number. I think, I think so. And then the other thing that they have to balance too is sure there's 44 million people of stu- with student debt, but there's another 200 million plus who don't have it. So right. the, the optics of paying for somebody's student debt when they themselves don't have student debt, I think right now in the US, two thirds of the population doesn't even have a college degree. So they wouldn't have any student debt. So those two thirds of the population might look at that and say, how come you're giving it to these college graduates who should be, you know, on the averages show they're earning a better living. Um, not in all cases, obviously there's plenty of people who haven't earned a college degree who, you know, have a great career and great, are in great financial situations. But for the most part, the averages work out that college educated people tend to make more money than non-college educated people. Um, so there's, there's those optics too, you know, and then there are the people yeah. who maybe they just paid off their student loans. And now there's this forgiveness coming down the pike. And what about me? So it's really a delicate balance between doing the right thing to help people who desperately need the help without ruffling the feathers of people who aren't in those situations at all. Yeah. I mean, it's such a complex topic. Like when you really lay it out, like you just did, (laughs) Uh, there's, (laughs) there's really, I mean, someone's not going to be happy, obviously, no matter, no matter what happens, but you, you brought up, uh, the federal student loan for forbearance without interest that I know, as you said, will continue through September 30th. What should we be doing now during this time if our loans are in forbearance? Yeah, it's a good, it's a very good question. So um, let me go to kind of the mechanics of the best ways to pay back student debt. So you people really want to approach student debt in one of two ways. You either want to go super aggressive, you know, sort of paying it back the old fashioned way, right? Refinance, right, get right. a low interest rate, aggressively go at it and pay it off within 10 years or less. That's one approach. The other approach is using income-driven repayment. So the payments are based upon income, not how much someone owes, and keeping the payments as low as possible, maximizing the taxable or tax-free loan forgiveness. And instead of putting money towards the debt, you're taking the extra money and you're putting it in toward towards other parts of, the, of your personal balance sheet, like saving, investing, and stuff like that, or paying off other kinds of debt. So, But as it relates to student loans, you either want to go all in or you know, go, go as little as you can. <laughs> and the math with student loans is so much different than any other kind of debt um, that that's important to know where we see a lot of people spend a lot of money on their debt when they don't have to, is they either aren't aggressive enough paying back their loans if that's the way, what they want to do, or they're paying extra when they should just be paying as little as they can. Right. Um, so as it relates to what people should be doing during this freeze, if they are one of those people who should be putting as little as possible toward the loans, then 
nothing. <laughs> the answer is nothing. Don't do anything. Don't put, don't throw any extra money at your loans. Um, if you have made payments, loan servicers are able to get a re get people a refund if they want it on any payments made during this 18, 18 month in total. Once it's done cares act forbearance. The reason that works out is because if we want to keep our payments as low as possible, well, zero is as low as you can get. And so people in that category who want to go that route, okay, anyone who wants to go that not aggressive approach, they should have, they should owe um, more than one and a quarter times their household income. So let's just say a household making 100000 they should owe 125000 in federal student loans or more to take that pay as little as possible approach. Um, the other thing is anybody who might not meet that criteria, like maybe they, maybe they are making a hundred, but owe a hundred or less. If they have any opportunities for loan forgiveness by working at a nonprofit employer, a government employer eligible for public service loan forgiveness, then they might not want to take the aggressive approach because that tax-free loan forgiveness after 10 years of payments will you know, usually work out better for them. Now, and then the other thing would be anyone who you know, really needs to take these zero time of zero payments to really beef up and uh, their um, their financial foundation. So build an emergency fund, pay off credit card debt, um, maybe start contributing to their employer retirement plan. Um, we want to kind of lay those financial foundations in place, even if the long term strategy is to aggressively pay it off right now. Right, right. So people in those wow. situations should do yeah. nothing. Yeah, yeah. It's it's so interesting and. Uh, a, a question that kind of came to mind when you when you were talking, what percentage, you don't have to be exact with this, but just super curious, graduate from school, select a repayment option, but never relook at it to say, am I on the best repayment option for, for me? Do, do people change very often or do we tend to just, we just kind of get stuck in whatever repayment op option we select and we don't even know maybe there's other options? Yeah, it's a, that's a good question. Um, it's hard to know the numbers for sure, but what we do know is that loan servicers, people who have student debt, they tend to rely on their loan servicers as being the best source of information, but it's not always the case. Sometimes the loan servicers <laughs> will put them on the lowest repayment plan, the, pay, the repayment plan with the lowest payment, but that's not always what's best for people. Um, like for example, they might put someone on the extended plan, which is you know a 20 plus, you know 25 year plan, when really they should be on income driven repayment um, or they should really be aggressively paying back their loans. Um, but, but, you know, the loan servicer says you should keep your payments low and this is how. Um, the other thing is that income driven repayment plans have evolved over time and there's more and more. So if, if someone hasn't taken a look at their repayment plan in the last three years, they should definitely revisit it. But that being said, you know, life has different things that make it more complex. So, for example, if someone's married, if you get married, um, if you have kids, if you're starting a business, if you have someone who has student, if you're married to someone who has student debt or married to someone who doesn't have student debt, if you live in a like one of the nine community property states like California and Texas and Washington State, and it just makes the, all these little complications means that it's less likely that unless someone got lucky that they're kind of like doing things exactly the right way to save as much money as possible. weather is getting warmer. I'm so excited and it is time to say goodbye to all those jackets and sweaters and hello to the shorts and t-shirts. 
I wanted to update my summer workout wardrobe for the long haul without, you know, spending a fortune. Luckily, I found Quince and I am in love. Quince is your go-to place from everything from premium European linen dresses, blouses and shorts from $30, washable silk tops, timeless, 14 karat gold jewelry, and so much more. The best part of all, all Quince items are priced 50 to 80% less than similar brands. By partnering directly with top factories, Quince cuts out the cost of the middleman and passes those savings on to you. And Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing practices and premium fabrics and finishes. I love that. Okay, I bought the dreamiest pair of workout leggings and a bright pink workout top to match. Honestly, ladies, I gotta tell you, these leggings you need. The price cannot be beat, and I feel like a million bucks wearing this cozy workout friendly outfit. I've worn it for like five days straight. Get warm weather ready with Quince. Go to quince.com slash etm for free shipping on your order and 365 day returns. That's q-u-i-n-c-e dot com slash etm to get free shipping and 365 day returns. Quince.com slash etm. Okay, friend, I want to know, what are your money goals this year? Are you saving to buy a house or maybe a wedding or a dream vacation to somewhere tropical? If that's you, please, please take me with you. Or maybe you want to just grow your emergency fund because let's be real, life is expensive. I want to make sure you reach your goals. So you need Monarch. That's why the Wall Street Journal named it the best app for growing your savings. Monarch is the top-rated, all-in-one personal finance app. It gives you a comprehensive view of all your accounts, investments, transactions, and more. You can create custom budgets, track progress towards your financial goals, and collaborate with your partner. And now, get an extended 30-day free trial when you go to monarchmoney.com etm. Here's what I love. Monarch is the most customizable budgeting app. You can change the layout of your dashboard. You can go between light and dark mode. You can create custom budgets and notifications. You can set up all of these automatic rules for your transactions and notifications and so much more. Monarch is obsessed with constantly improving their product. Get this. They release updates every two weeks and they even allow customers to submit suggestions, vote on requested features, and view the product roadmap. This, my friend, is totally original. Plus, they will never sell your data to third party or show you ads. I think that's really important. After trying out Monarch for myself, I understand why it is the top rated personal finance app. And now, listeners of this show get an extended 30-day free trial when you go to monarchmoney.com slash etm. That's M-O-N-A-R-C-H-M-O-N-E-Y dot com slash etm for your extended 30-day free trial. I'm going to be real with you. Identity theft is on the rise, and you do not want to wake up one morning and discover that your bank account has been emptied, or you're overdue on credit cards you never even applied for. We talk about this often on the podcast, but you don't realize how much of your information is available to scammers on the internet and how susceptible you and your family are to identity theft and fraud. I know, it's scary, but now you can get your data removed with Delete Me. That's why I personally choose Delete Me. Delete Me is a subscription service that removes your personal information from the largest people search databases on the web and in the process helps prevent potential ID theft 
doxing and phishing scams. I just started using Delete Me and I got my regular personalized privacy report. And <laughs> I was shocked what they found and removed. It was pages of information about me that I did not want online. Here's how it works. You sign up and provide Delete Me with exactly what information you want deleted, and their experts take it from there. I cannot tell you how relieved I felt to have Delete Me. And you know, it's also a great service for your parents or grandparents to help protect them from identity theft. Delete Me is not just a one-time service. Delete Me is always working for you, constantly monitoring and removing the personal information you do not want on the internet. Take control of your data and keep your private life private by signing up for Delete Me, now at a special price for my listeners. Today, get 20% off your Delete Me plan when you go to joindeleteme.com slash etm and use promo code etm at checkout. The only way you get 20% off is to go to joindeleteme.com slash etm and enter code etm at checkout. J-O-I-N-D-E-L-E-T-E-M-E dot com slash E-T-M. Go to joindeleteme.com slash E-T-M and use code E-T-M for 20% off. We've all spent more time with family lately. It can feel like old times, but your mind is on the future too and what you can do to shape it. At Sandy Spring Bank, we work with clients to help them grow and protect their money with wealth management, trust services, and insurance so they can enjoy today and ultimately pass along their wealth. We believe real banking is a conversation. Let's talk about your dreams. Visit sandyspringbank.com slash wealth. Wealth and insurance products are not FDIC insured, not guaranteed, and may lose value. We have an Ask Shauna, and this one comes from Julie, and Julie says, Hello, and Happy New Year. I really need to start saving and investing for my future, just not sure where to begin. Can you help? Julie, I love that you just asked a very simple and yet extremely complex question. So let's see if we can untangle this one just a bit. First, I will say there is no ideal place. There is no perfect place to start saving and investing for your future. We've talked a lot on podcast episodes, many, many podcast episodes about emergency fund and really laying your foundation, whether you have one month of expenses saved, three months, six months, 12 months, only you can answer for your own situation what makes most sense to you. The more months, usually the better, because that means there's just money there when something comes up. So Saving for your future is also about, can we save for these emergencies? Can we have some money that we can dip into? That is our safe money. We don't need that money to grow a lot. If we have it in a high yield savings account and it's growing, I think right now the average rate is around half a percent. It's still more than our bank savings account, so it's growing. But we don't need it to earn 8% or 10%. We don't. We just need to keep this money safe. But beyond our safe money, we need to figure out a way to grow our money faster than the rate of inflation, which is usually somewhere around 2.5%. So we need to be able to get some, some years where we get the 8% return or 10% or 5%, whatever that number is. We, we need to get it north of 2.5%. So the first question to ask yourself, Julie, is, how much money can you set aside comfortably each month for investing? So have you done an analysis of where your money is going every month? And 
how much extra is there to play with that you can really comfortably devote to investing. I don't want you to use all your money for investing because that doesn't leave any room for kind of the whoopsies that happen in our bank account. So find a number that you can comfortably commit to. Couple other questions. Do you have access to a 401k from work? If the answer is yes, that's probably your first place to start. Another question is, do they offer a company match? Meaning if you put in a certain percentage of your income into the 401k, are they gonna match that? That is brilliant. It's it's essentially like free money that the company is giving you as an incentive for you to contribute to your 401k and save for your retirement. So if you have a 401k and you don't know if you have a match, that is definitely a question you want to ask your HR department. Now, 401ks are great. You can save a lot more money than you can in an IRA or a Roth IRA. In 2021, you can save up to $19,500. Doesn't mean you have to save that much. You could save $1,000 or $5,000. Doesn't matter. That's just the max. If you don't have access to a 401k, can you set up an IRA or a Roth IRA? And for those, you just need earned income. You just need some sort of income to set those up. Now, the savings amount is much lower than the 401k. You can only save up to $6,000 in 2021. Those numbers tend to adjust up annually, usually in $500 increments. So that might be an option for you. Then the question is, what to invest in. And this is really the million dollar question that no one can answer definitively for you. This is where investing maybe gets a little tricky to figure out what do I actually invest in? And and a lot of people get stuck on this piece. So I don't want you to get stuck. But a couple of things I want you to think about. The first question is how risky do you want to be? This is called your risk tolerance. And you can easily Google risk tolerance quiz. There are a million of them out there. You answer some questions about money and how things might make you feel. And then it's going to spit, spit out some sort of percentage of a mix between stocks and bonds based off of how risky you're comfortable being. Now, that doesn't mean you're not going to lose money in the stock market. It certainly doesn't mean that. But it, it gives you some indication of what you might be looking to invest in at this particular time. Now, your risk tolerance can change over time. You might be really risky now, and in a couple of years, you might want to be a little less risky or vice versa. That that changes often, right? But we're looking for right now, what is your risk tolerance? How much risk are you willing to take on for the potential return with your investing? There are a couple of of funds you can look at, things like target date funds, which is a group of funds that is meant to uh, work towards, invest towards, I should say in better words, invest towards your proposed retirement date. So you pick a fund with a year associated with it that is more or less around when you think you might retire. And so that fund, the idea of that fund is to kind of track along with those dates. There are also things like index funds. Uh, Many of the popular platforms have S&P index funds that track the S&P index, if you will. Those are great. There are also companies that can help you do this, like LVEST in Betterment, where you can go on there and create an account and create uh, your, your kind of preferred investment 
portfolio, if you will, based off of the few choices given to you. And those choices then, again, mirror that risk tolerance, how risky you want to be. So I want to just say that there's so many different variables, but it doesn't have to be scary. It doesn't have to keep you stuck from from not doing anything, right? That's that's not a place I want you to stay. And I want you to remember that investing is for the long term. It's to grow your money steadily over time. And there are going to be dips in the market. There are going to be times where you might lose some money and then you might make some really good returns, right? It's an ebb and flow. But I want you to think of this for for the long term. But we've got to find a way to grow your money, again, better than we can in a savings account for sure. We got to try and beat that inflation number, right? We got to try to stack some of our money bricks on top of themselves so that we can really build this strong money foundation, right? So we can, I like to think about it this way. If we start saving and investing, the younger we are, the more potential money we have at an older age. And it doesn't have to be that, you know, that age is 70 or 65. That might feel really far off for you, right? But if we start saving and investing and really growing our money, it gives us lots of options in life. And options are always a good thing. So I'm going to really encourage you to take take a step forward when it comes to saving and investing and think about some of the questions I asked you and think about what might be your first step from everything I mentioned to just again, tiptoe into investing. In this episode, we're talking to Rob from Student Loan Planner. So let's jump back into the conversation. How do you even begin to start figuring this out if the servicers don't really give you the right information like, tell me a little bit about student loan planner like how, how could we use something like student loan planner to help us figure our way through all this yeah well well first of all our website studentloanplanner.com there's a lot of great free resources for resources for people including you know calculators to figure out what's the best repayment plan you know should i refinance we also have blog posts specifically for profession so if someone's a veterinarian listening and they're wondering how to pay back their student debt. Well, we've got a whole slew, I mean, dozens of articles for veterinarians on how how they should approach student loans or how they could approach student loans, for example. Um, so there's a lot of great free resources. For those people that really want to make sure that they are on the right path, given their unique situation or just their situation in general, then we have uh, consults. We, we do student loan consults for people. And uh, we do it based upon household debt amount. So people below 200000 and that's that's one consult then between 200 and 400 and then for 400k plus each one of those kind of has its own unique set of um, circumstances and what we do is we we spend an hour with with our clients and we talk them through we show them the numbers we make sure we collect not only the financial data in advance so that we can prepare but also that we kind of understand what's going on in their life what are their aspirations for their careers for their you know for their goals ultimately what we want to do is we want to build a student loan plan around their career and life goals, as opposed to having the student loans dictate what they should and shouldn't do. And a lot of people get caught up thinking that their student loans are going, are like ruining their lives. And a lot of people are in serious and dire situations, but for the most part, there are ways to structure student loan repayment 
in a way that's cost effective, that can still allow people to, to get what they want out of their lives. I like that. <laughs> I like that idea. That feels really good. <laughs> yeah, that, that's that's part of the point. I mean, sometimes it's just sometimes it's just peace of mind knowing that people did the right thing. Other times it's getting permission to say, I can go start this business because I can put my loans on income driven repayment and everything's going to be okay. Right. You know, I, that'll adjust my payments down. And as my business grows, I can get some relief from my payments and it's not sabotaging my financial situation to do that. I just think that's so great because I mean, student loans obviously is a huge pain in the, you know, what for so many people who have student loan debt. And I hear from a lot of listeners that, that this is the thing that keeps them up at night. This is the pain point is trying to figure out how to get these paid off. Were they even worth it? You know, what's the best should they refinance? Should they not? I mean, you know, a million questions kind of coming at you at one time. And the question is always like, well, where do I go? So the ability to talk to somebody and have them be able to help you create a plan, I just think is obviously worth the expense, but just such a great way to put a lot of those fears and anxiety around student loans kind of at ease, more or less. Yeah, no question. I mean, we've done, I think it's over 5,000 student loan, individual one-on-one student loan consults so far. Um, We have a team of, how many are there? There's one, two, three, four, five, six of us who are doing them now. And um, I think the total amount of debt that we've advised on is, um, is, let's see. Yeah, we've we've advised, we've had over 5,000 consults and advised on over $1.2 billion of student debt. So (laughs) billion with a B. So Right. You know, we have a long way to go because if the numbers I just told you about, you know, 1.7 trillion and we're at 1.2 billion, that means we're not even at 1% of, um, you know, we haven't consulted with even 1% of the people out there. In fact, a fraction of a percent, but we do have a lot of traffic and like we have, we have uh, the student loan planner podcast for all things student loan related. We've got, um, we've got all the free content and blog posts that we put up weekly trying to stay ahead of, ev- of everything and, and kind of help people out wherever we can. Um, but for anyone who does have sort of graduate level, you know, six figure student debt, there's no question that a student loan consult is valuable. A hundred percent. Yeah. I mean, that's just, it's just big numbers and you absolutely need a plan. And w- one of the things I wanted to ask you about is refinancing because I, I get asked this a lot and I know that potentially there might be some changes with the new administration. How do you figure out whether you should refinance your student loans or just leave them as is? Is there a simple way to go about this or is it more complex? Um, it can be simple. So so number one, anyone who has private student loans already, so they're not held with the federal government, they can refinance at any time. So private debt has to be paid back no matter what. There's no like income-driven repayment. It's sort of like traditional debt kind of think of it like a mortgage. So you have your debt and then you have the interest rate and how long you want to pay it back over. And then you have a a fixed payment. So for anyone who has private loans, you should definitely check out because interest rates are like all time lows. And um, we have our our own refi page, studentloanplanner.com slash refi, where we offer cashback bonuses. And in some cases, they're, you know, $1,000, depending on how much is refinanced. But bottom line is to get the best rate. Okay, so for people with federal student loans, if they owe less than one and a quarter, so like, for example, a household making 100000 with 125000 of student debt or less, they have a solid emergency fund. They don't have any prospects for lo- loan forgiveness by working at a nonprofit employer or a government employer or anyone that would give them any type of loan forgiveness. 
those are people that are like locks for refinancing for the most part, because, because, um, the cheapest way to pay back the debt in those instances is going to be paying it back in full. Because what, what happens is the, like the lower the debt to income ratio is, meaning the, the higher your income is compared to your debt, the, the higher the payments are on income driven repayment in relation to the debt. And what ends up happening is the payments are so high on these income driven plans that are 20 or 25 years long that people end up paying off their loans in full before they get to that forgiveness. Gotcha. And for anyone who would be in that position because they are making more than they owe without any type of like PSLF options, they're going to pay off their loans in full anyway. So don't do it at six plus percent, do it at like three or 4% instead. Mm, okay. That makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. I like that. Yeah. And and the tricky part now, just talking about like the, the Biden plan and the, now that we're, we got about six or seven months left of this CARES Act forbearance freeze. I think the the risk that someone has to, not the risk, but the question someone has to ask themselves is that, look, there's a chance that rates could go up from the historic lows that they're at. And would they rather ride out the 0% through September and risk getting a higher interest rate in the future uh, to pay off their loans? Or would they rather, you know, kind of just like get the low interest rate locked in now and, and rather than, and pay interest when they wouldn't have to over the next seven months, but it'll save them over time. So in general, like what to do now in this freeze, if someone is a, a, like a lock refinancing candidate and they are planning to pay back their loans in like five years or less, then refinancing now is, is probably, um, no, I'm sorry, waiting until the, the freeze is over to refinance is probably a good way to go. But understanding that, you know, the rates could go up from historic lows. If someone is looking to pay off their loans over a 10 plus 10 or more year period and they're locked for refinancing, then they might want to lock in these low rates now because that interest savings that they could get if interest rates go up, which who knows if that's going to happen, the interest savings that they'll get over the life of paying off their loan over 10 years or so is going to outweigh the benefit of getting the 0% interest for the next six, seven months. Yeah, that's such great advice. And I love everything you've talked about because it feels like putting we're putting ourselves in the driver's seat. We're we're able to make some smart choices about our loans. We know the different options we have versus just being a passenger on the student loan journey and being very confused and not really knowing what what's the right direction. So uh, I mean, we've talked about a lot, but if I if I'm sitting there listening and right now I have student loan debt. Um, is really my choice right now, just figuring out whether, again, I, I start paying those, paying them off really rapid, or I kind of sit still and wait. Is that is that really my decision point like right at this moment? Because I don't really know what's going to happen with some of these legislative proposals. It, you know, it's sort of people have to make kind of, especially with like with refinancing, you know, ultimately someone will have to make their own choice on whether it's right for them to refinance now or wait or not at all, right? Um but right. I think if someone's if someone is really tired of being uncertain about what you know what their specific student loan situation is going to look like and what it means for them, then definitely go to definitely go to our website and like check out some of our free resources and get a better understanding of it. And and if you want more help, you can always reach out to us, you know, to like book a consult or whatever. But I would say I think what what I think is going to happen is right now we're kind of in the doldrums because there is this uncertainty about student loans. But we're going to have a big giant frenzy when September comes around and the payments turn back on. So 
um, it's best to like sort of get in control on and like have a good understanding of how to approach student loans now during this forbearance and how to handle it after the, like after it's over in September, October, it's always better. You know, like there's never, it's never too late, but it's also never too early <laughs> to start <laughs> doing research on this kind of stuff. So keep your eyes peeled for legislation, but I would say don't tie your hopes on one thing happening or another. Do what is best for you and your student loans. I think that's probably the smartest step you can take right now. If you want to find out more about Rob and Student Loan Planner, here's how you can do that. Yeah. So studentloanplanner.com um, to, to sort of, that's our homepage and studentloanplanner.com slash help will tell you all about our consult service. Again, it's mainly, it's mainly meant for six-figure student borrowers who are having trouble, you know, kind of like understanding the best way to pay back their loans, or maybe they're uncertain. Um, and there's plenty of other free resources. If you are kind of a lock refinance candidate, if, you know, like we talked about, um, then go to our refi page, studentloanplanner.com slash refi to check out your rates. Because uh, we're seeing rates in like the three-ish percent range now for, for, for a lot of people. Um, and then also, um, what was the other thing I was going to say? Yeah. And then we have cashback bonuses if you're eligible. But the number one thing is just, just to get a lower rate if that is the end goal to aggressively pay off the loans. And thank you so much for checking out this episode. Remember, share this with a friend who you think really needs to know about student loan forgiveness. And I'll see you back here in a few days for a fresh new episode. Hey, you. Yes, you. Before you go, we want to say thanks for listening to this episode of Millennial Money. For all the links, tags, and ads you've heard on today's episode, check out the show notes or go to mmoneypodcast.com where you'll find more episodes to share with your friends. While you're at it, leave us a review and make sure to subscribe wherever you listen so you don't miss out on all the money tips and tricks that will take you from a millennial regular to a millennial money expert. See you back here in a few days with a fresh new episode. Everyone knows that putting money aside in savings is really important. But then what? Should you keep your savings locked in a CD for a higher rate or keep them liquid in a money market? Can your checking account help you save too? Or is it about creating the right combination? We believe real banking is a conversation. Let's talk about the savings options that are right for you. Learn more at sandyspringbank.com. Member FDIC.